1: on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo
0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition of our Odyssey Sports original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Make sure if you don't already subscribe, please do so wherever you get your audio. Just search for Silver and Black today. Put on that auto download. That way, you never forget. For our YouTube viewers, thanks for being with us. Again, as always, subscribe there, too. Also, hit the notifications bell. And we're off and running. Scott Branson, your host, along with my partner here. That is my co host, Mr. Mo Moton. He's senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also Raiders, columnist at sportsnot.com. You can follow him on X.com if you dare. At Mo Moton, M O E M O T O N. I am at L V Gully, the Show, S N B today. Mo, here we are on a Tuesday. We're recording on Monday, as we usually do. Um, we, we saw, look, Marcus Peters looks like he's on his way out of Las Vegas. Just one of the pieces of fallout from this 31-17 to loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is the first time we had a chance to talk to you since the game. Murph and I did the post-game show. Uh, Murph was his usual optimistic self, which you would anticipate. That's why we have him on. He represents a part of the fan base and so uh, Murph was was great talking about all subjects him and I disagreed on several as you'll as you'll find out Mo um and 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 this game was interesting cuz to me it was a true measuring stick of where this Raiders team was at I never thought this Raiders team was a true playoff contender or anything like that but Under Antonio Pierce, we've seen some encouraging things. We saw the defense play better against the New York teams and the Miami team. And going into this game, uh, you and I said this two-game stretch between Miami and Kansas City, they had to kind of have one of these if they were going to actually – Perhaps make a push towards some sort of wild card spot in the just brutal AFC playoff picture. Uh, that has not happened. They went 0 and 2 in that stretch. Mo, give us your initial impressions. Uh, any of the the what you saw in the game on Sunday against the Chiefs. Anything surprise you? Anything stick out? Uh, was there any other outcome than what we saw on Sunday?
1: Well, I'll say overall, the score didn't surprise me. I think I predicted 20, what did I predict? 27-16? So I was yes. close on the score. It was close. Said the Chiefs would win by double digits. I think we were both uh, not anticipating the Raiders scoring 20 because the Chiefs have a pretty good defense. What surprised me is the, is the Raiders jumping off to a 14-0 lead. Now, I, you know, I've become accustomed to the Raiders scoring early. They had 10 points in the first quarter against the Dolphins. They scored 14 points in the first half against the Chiefs. By the second quarter, the Chiefs were down 14. I look up, you know, as I do my normal work on Sunday. I'm watching a bunch of games. I look up and the Raiders are up 14-0. I see a a deep pass to Devontae Adams. I see Jacoby Myers catching the ball in space, rushing for a touchdown. I see Josh Jacobs looking like the 2022 rushing champion, breaking open and open space for a big run. And I'm thinking... Holy cow, they could actually do this. But covering the Raiders for as long as I've covered them, (laughs) I knew not to hop on the X and start gloating like a lot of people did because you're playing the Chiefs, number one. And number two, we've seen the Raiders in the second half of games under Coach Pierce kind of flake out. And I was waiting to see if the Raiders would be able to sustain it. I had my doubts and my doubts were Basically correct. The Chiefs basically turned around that that deficit into a lead pretty quickly. By halftime, it was tied 14-14. The Chiefs had uh, scored 21 an- unanswered points. I would say the outcome of the game didn't surprise me, but I will say that I like what I see from the Raiders coming out of the gate. It's clear that the Raiders are a well-prepared team. I posted this on the X. The Raiders prepare for their opponents very well. You don't score 10 points in the first quarter against the Dolphins and 14 points in the first two quarters quarters against the Chiefs and not be prepared. The problem is they don't adjust well. And I think we agree on this point, Scott, that I think that's a product of an inexperienced coaching staff. It's a product of not having enough, as I said, dudes on both sides of the ball, and you have a limited quarterback. So with all of that mixed in, you're going to have struggles in the second half, especially if you can't adjust. You have a first-time offensive play caller, Antonio Pierce, doesn't have much experience either. You're going to have bumps in a row like that if you can't sustain and that's what happened against the Chiefs on Sunday.
0: Well said, my friend, and I, and I and I agree with you on every point. I think that when you talk about being well prepared, I think that going into the game, as you mentioned, they're executing their <laughs> offense at an extremely high level. Aiden mm-hmm. O'Connell comes out, looks sharp, does not look at any in any way nervous or unsure of what he wants to do. The play calling to start the game off that script was excellent. You have to give Mm Bo and Antonio Pierce credit for that. And then something just happens and it just stops. Now, I don't know if somebody gets nervous, if somebody is unsure of the plan and they start to stray away from the plan. Now, game situations can dictate that too, right? Something unexpected happens and suddenly you're like, well, wait a minute, That's not that wasn't part of the plan. And then you have to adjust. Hey, Mo, just like you said, adjust. And and I think yeah. that's right. That's where the inexperience comes in. And a lot of fans, as I saw as they were talking to me after the game and on our on our post-game show, were like, get rid of Bo Hardigree. All, all Antonio Pierce needs is an offensive coordinator. But I think what you see, and again, it's inexperience. What you see is, remember, the head coach, folks, and all of you reminded me of this when – Josh McDaniels was there, that disaster, was he is the game manager. The head coach is the game manager. Okay, yes, he's got his guys running offense and defense, but ultimately he's responsible and he has to keep the team on track. We saw McDaniels get off track. He had the same problem, by the way, Mo. right? This is not a new problem. This is 12 weeks of this, of coming out, first drive looks great, and then even under Jimmy Garoppolo, first drive looks great, second drive they look like they're completely lost. So this is nothing new. We didn't think, at least I didn't think, Mo, I didn't think it would get solved overnight, okay? But what I did expect was a little more of that ability to adjust so that maybe going into the third quarter, you're still going, and this is a three-point game. And, yeah, then maybe the Chiefs pull away towards the end because you're right, they have more talent. But that's what surprised me is that it seems like it's just the shelf life is a quarter and a half every game. And it's just crazy how it falls off a cliff. Now, people were told, oh, the Chiefs aren't that good. Dude, the Chiefs still have a top 10 offense, okay? And they have a top five defense. They're a good team, no matter how much you hate them. And I'm cool with the hate because it's Raider Nation. That's the way it goes. But you cannot take them lightly. They can put points up on the board. They've had their problems. Did you think Patrick Mahomes and that team would go six games without scoring in the second half? No, sir. They were going to get theirs, especially against the Raiders' defense. So, so yes, yeah, so I think you have the combination of not having the players, depth, and then the inexperience of the coaching. Now, does that mean he can't be head coach in the future? No. Does it mean he should be head coach already because he's a cool di- guy, drives a 64 Impala and listens to NWA? No, he's not. You To me, you can't make a decision on it yet. That's why fans who are either he's done, he shouldn't be the coach, or fans who are um, or people who are saying, even some folks in the media are saying it, saying that he should be the coach, you should give him the job now, he's one of us, are wrong too. I think, Mo, we still need to see how the final five games play out.
1: My answer to that is, what's the rush to make him the head coach? <laughs> you you still have five games left of the season. Like There's no reason to make a decision now. You wait until the end of the season, you see the results, and then you make a decision because, one – you don't know who the other candidates are who are going to be available. Why are you making the decision now and you don't even know who's going to be available in the offseason? To me, that that would be a poor way to go about the head coaching search, making a decision before you even know who the candidates will be. Right. <laughs> so right. do you like if you're hiring someone, do you just make a decision when one person walks in the door without at least talking to the other five, six, seven candidates? I, I, don't, I don't know any good company that does something like that.
0: Some people might, though. I mean, listen, so, I, I get it. And we're going we're gonna to devote the last segment of the show to talk about uh, Pierce, his staff, and the future because I think it, it deserves that. Um, back to the game, Mo, when you look at, at, at what you saw, to me, not only the, the inability to adjust on both sides of the ball, by the way, but on offense, I, they come out, they're doing everything. I see, I see the thing that I've been just pining for which are the short passes to help Aiden O'Connell get into a rhythm, right? You saw some of that starting out, including the quick slants to Devontae Adams earlier. Uh, they didn't get tight end. They didn't get Michael Mayer involved till later, which I still don't understand, but they did bring Josh Jacobs back out of the uh, backfield, out of the backfield, I should say, to catch passes, swing passes, right? So I thought like, that's great. So, So to me... You also put the quarterback, you put the offensive unit in a tough position when you're putting them in third and seven, third and 10, these longer situations where it's much easier to defend and the Chiefs, again, have a very good defense at all three levels. So I don't understand to me why when they see what's sticking, and yes, you're going to get stopped sometimes, right? But when they see what's working and sticking, why they move away from it? And go with a much more reserved offense that counts on big first and second down gains. And when you don't get them, then you put your quarterback in third and long, which makes it hard for him to succeed.
1: Well, I had that thought during the game is that you can't live and die with big plays on on first down. It's, It's great when you get those. But you have to be able to shorten the down and distance on second and third down. So you hear guys talk about or players the coaches talk about getting behind the sticks, right? So you you want to basically you want to at least get three or four yards on your first down so that you're not chasing yards on second and third down. Because when you get to third and nine, third and eight, it makes it difficult on the quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback. So you want to get yards early in the downs. You don't want to get behind the numbers. You want to stay on schedule, so to speak, so that you get those three four yards and every down so that by the time you get the third down it's third and three it's third and four, and it's manageable and i think a lot of times what happens is when you don't hit that first down play you know it's it's tough it's tough sledding from there the other thing is i think in the second half it was complete opposite i felt like the raiders were too predictable where it was too much run run pass right and 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 that's not going to work either you're going to have to mix it up i'm not saying you have to throw it on first down all the time but you have, to, you have to make it less predictable so that the defense can't have their tell. When the Raiders ran their fourth and one play, everyone in the building, everyone at home, everyone across America, everyone across the world knew Josh Jacobs was going to get the ball on a handoff up the middle. And, of course, the Chiefs got into the backfield and stuffed that play for a loss. They didn't get the fourth down conversion. Scott, do you remember the fourth down play call when they handed off to DeAndre Carter not too long ago? Yep. And it completely fooled the defense. Why don't you pull out one of those plays when everyone knows that Josh Jackson is going to get the football? I think that predictable call. Now, by that time, the Raiders were hanging on by a thread anyway. Correct. But that, that play kind of, not kind of, basically sealed it for the Chiefs and put the Raiders' hopes away.
0: Yeah, I think part of it, and, and people won't want to hear this, Mo. Part of it is that coaching staff gets tight because they're playing the Chiefs. Now, you could say the Dolphins have the number one offense and all that stuff, and I get that. But they're not the Chiefs. I'm telling you, it's a different mentality. It's not Andy <laughs> Reed. And I think what happened, I'm sorry. I just thought, I just think that they bluff. They they called the bluff. And, and if you remember too, the Chiefs in the second half, what'd they do? Eight in the box, right? Put eight in the box. And what are they what is Andy Reid saying? What's Steve Spagnuolo saying? He's saying, Aiden O'Connell, you gotta beat us. Come on, let's go. You gotta beat us. Now, could he have? I think he could have. I think he could have done. They could have scored. He could have done more damage, but he was not given the structure nor the the plan to do so, especially in the second half, right? There was too much to your point about run, run, pass. And of course, then you're an eight, 11 yard pass. You get some sacks and now it's third and 13 and you're putting, it's just not going to happen, right? It's just not going to happen, especially when you have no speed. And And Trey Tucker to me was underutilized again yesterday. So, so you put that all together. You have the coaching and 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 just getting nervous. Like it happens. You 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 you're in a high stakes shootout with one of the best teams in the NFL, and you're kind of blinking. Am am, am I wrong? I'm, I know I'm dramatizing it for radio here, but I think that's what happens.
1: It's funny to me because I know it sounds silly to say this, but the Raiders had a chance to win this game. I know it doesn't look like. I that agree. by the final score, but they were up by fourteen. This is a game where they had zero penalties. Scott, think about that. The Raiders weren't penalized once. <laughs> so the people out there saying referees—you can't blame the referees what? for this. But Mo, no, they missed holding calls. I, I understand that, but great players did. are going to get held. That's 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 just yeah. the nature of it. Khalil Mack, I watched Sunday night. He was getting held. He stayed, you know, <laughs> Max Crosby. I'm not downplaying Max Crosby. He played her. He was sick last week. Still yeah. got a sack. You know, 50% of Max Crosby is better than a lot of the league. But that's just the nature of it. You're going to get held and, you know, you still have to make plays. And Max Crosby did make plays. So shout out to him for playing through sickness, through injury, and still making an impact. Had a sack on Patrick Mahomes. Became the the player to sack Patrick Mahomes the most in the league with five. He passed to Nico Autry on that list, by the way. But one thing I want to point out that we haven't talked about yet, and I guess we'll talk about this in the next segment, is All throughout the week, we've been hearing that the Chiefs pass catcher group is not very good. It's just Travis Kelsey, and Travis Kelsey had a rough game on Monday night. Rasheed Rice went off against the Raiders. He did. Eight catches for 107 yards and a touchdown. And I talked about it a little bit last week. Tyreek Hill went off for about 146 yards. Now Rasheed Rice goes up for 107 yards. He's a rookie second rounder. And I, I kept mentioning this on this show over the past few weeks. The Raiders have a problem at cornerback. And again, we'll talk about this, but it's clear that they don't have anyone to cover, not even an ascending wide receiver. And I think that's part of the problem. Had the Raiders had a, a solid, serviceable cornerback on the outside, Rasheed Rice doesn't go off and there's more pressure on Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs don't have such an easy time going up and down the field through the air with Patrick Mahomes throwing the football. Right.
0: And and. and- it's funny because I said it yesterday. It's usually a term you use when you, when you talk about college recruiting, but I, I was using it with the Raiders, which is you don't have the Jimmies and the Joes, right? You don't have the top-line talent at every level. This is where I get in disagreements with people, Mo, about the roster. Oh, we just need a couple guys. No, no. You need, you need a couple a guys at cornerback alone. Then you add in linebacker. You need a handful. You add in interior defense, and then you add an edge rusher. Yes, they drafted one. He hasn't done anything yet. We can talk about that in another show. Uh, but, but they have lots of needs, okay? And so it's not to say that to be pessimistic at all. It's just the reality of it. And when you, to your point, you just encapsulate it so perfectly. When you have Rasheed Rice go out there and have the type of game that he had, 107 yards, and universally the NFL was talking about how bad this receiver core was, it goes to show you you mm-hmm. got a long way to go. And that's why Mm -hmm. I wrote a piece that you can read up on Sports Not, uh, a column where I said they got to focus on the future. And the reality is they're not near where they need to be. Does that mean that they're at square one? No, but there's a lot of work to be done. And so the future uh, is something that they should focus on, even with five more games to go. I'm not saying you give up, but you got to focus on that future. And that future means filling holes and getting depth. You have to have depth to win in the NFL. I'll give you the last word here before we hit the break.
1: As far as what the team needs, and, and I see the disagreements with you and other people, but to me, I'm not giving up on Aiden O'Connell. But in today's league, you need a playmaking quarterback. The Raiders, regardless of what happens to Josh Jacobs, I said this on my Bleach Report Live, they need a RB2, a change of pace running back. They need a cornerback. I just talked about that. They need a defensive tackle. You know, they need a right tackle. So right there, I just named five needs off the top of my head. So it's not a it's not just a couple or a few guys. It's a handful of guys they need
0: to compete. Well, and you mentioned the big one, quarterback. And we're going to talk about Aiden O'Connell because Aiden O'Connell did well against the Chiefs. He could have done better. Mm-hmm. Did he make mistakes? Of course he did. Everybody does. But he I don't think he was put in the right position to do as well as he could have. So we'll talk about it when we come back, but we'll also talk about whether or not After five starts, he's anywhere close to answering the question of whether he's the answer or not. I'm sure we'll have an opinion on that. You're listening to Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. We're coming back right after this. Don't go anywhere. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. And we are here talking about uh, the Raiders' loss to the Chiefs, but also moving forward, some of the questions this team needs to answer. Mo and I, before the break, were talking about the needs that this team has. It's not just one or two players on both sides of the ball. It's multiple on both sides of the ball. We're going to get into that a little bit here as we talk about Aiden O'Connell. You look at Aiden O'Connell just to go to my stats, 23 of 33, 248 yards, one touchdown, a passer rating of 101.6. And, of course, didn't turn the ball over. That's huge when you're talking about a rookie quarterback. And uh, for this fourth-round kid out of Purdue, uh, has done well over his five starts. He's had his moments. And, and of course, uh, we've seen those. and the, And they've hurt the Raiders at times. And other times it just is what it is. But when you look at what he's learned over five games, Mo, and what we, I think more importantly, and of course the coaching staff, the player personnel, the Raiders, we said going into this, play him. We don't know what you have. You got to see what you have. And so far, I'm going to make the bold statement. You ready, Mo? People won't like it. And you know how much I like Aiden O'Connell. I've been been cheering for him to do well, okay? What I see is a quarterback given more time, can develop into possibly, possibly a starter, but more likely a really good backup. And I know it's early. I'm just going based on early results. This could change, but from what I've seen and the way the game has changed, and his uh, his his abilities, which are many, and his his lack of mobility, I think that's what I see so far. Now, the last five games. If he becomes some playmaking quarterback that we we saw him do in college more of, fine. But that's where I'm at with it. Where do you sit? What have you seen over these five games with Aiden O'Connell? Can people start to think that this is your guy for the future? Or are you more closer to the camp that I'm in?
1: Scott, at this point, there's not much Aiden O'Connell can do other than lead the Raiders to a playoff, (laughs) you know, multiple playoff wins to make to prevent me from drafting a quarterback. Right. We've heard it for now for, we've heard it now for months. This is probably gonna be the best quarterback class since 2018. That was the year Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen all came out. So you're gonna have a handful or more of blue chip prospects, first round prospects coming out. I'm drafting a quarterback. Even if Aiden O'Connell could, and let me say this first, right? Aiden O'Connell has made improvements. Let's make that clear. I talked Absolutely. about him on the report live on Sunday. He had a career high in passing yards on Sunday against a really good Chiefs defense. We talked about it, how good the Chiefs defense is, 248 some yards, yards right? Threw a touchdown pass. He had a perfect passer rating on that very first drive when the Raiders went down the field. So you could see the progress, but I'm not here to say Aiden O'Connell is the guy. To me at this point, As I said, barring a run to the AFC championship game, the Raiders are drafting a quarterback in the first round because, as I talked about at the end of last segment, in today's league, the quarterback is not just a a passer. He's a playmaker. Playmaker. I don't know if anybody watched Lamar Jackson last night. There were times where Lamar Jackson didn't have the best pass protection. Khalil Mack was on the prowl Sunday night. And what did Lamar Jackson do? Use his legs. C.J. Stroud on Sunday led the Houston Texans in rushing. Remember we talked about, oh, C.J. Stroud can't move. Led the Houston <laughs> Texans in rushing with 47 yards on Sunday. At some point, your offensive line is going to break down. We, we you know, I'll t- my guy Sobo over at Bleach Report talks about it all the time. The offensive line play isn't as good as it was a decade ago, and then part of that is because of limited practices that the players can have now which is part of the collecting and bargaining agreement. That's a whole nother discussion. But the offensive line play isn't as good as it used to be. So your quarterback is going to have to be able to make plays with his legs more often than not compared to years past. And when you have a limited quarterback like Aiden O'Connell, you, know, you, you, you handcuff yourself to the play of your offensive line. So if the offensive line struggles, he's going to struggle. And I think we have to look at that and say that's not something Aiden O'Connell can fix or work on. That's just what he is. He's a pocket-passing quarterback, so that's never going to get much better. But what I can say is hes I think he's reading coverages and reading defenses better, and that's why you're seeing him throw for more yards against a top-tier defense. Now, again, season career high in passing yards, season high in, in passer rating, which is good. You're seeing improvement. But I think at this point, if we're judging him today, if we're assessing him now, I could see a high-end backup that could come in if your starter gets dinged up. I could see a spot starter if, whatever reason, your starter isn't available. You keep him around and you develop him. But that's what you expect out of a fourth-round pick anyway.
0: Yeah, I I agree 100%. And I think you saw – I mean, you you talked about Stroud. I watched that uh, Stroud-Lawrence game, the Jags and, and the Texans. And it was a perfect example. If you want to see what a quarterback has to do in the yeah. NFL today, on both sides, both of them had amazing games. And they created mm-hmm. plays all the time with their legs. And I think mm-hmm. that's where – and remember, remember who drafted Aiden O'Connell. That's not his fault. He, is, Like you said, he is what he is. He's a good quarterback, no question. But remember who drafted him and what they wanted and how their system was. They're the same guys who signed Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not comparing those two guys. One's at the beginning of his career and he's got a good way to go. But I just think that you're right. You, you, can't, you can't say, hey, he can do it, and you, he just needs more time. It becomes a, a, a point where you, you have to look at always getting better. And this to your point about the draft, the Raiders have an opportunity, and again, I've gotten in these discussions the last couple of weeks with folks about, well, we, we got to get an offensive line before we get a quarterback. No, we talked about it on last week's show, right? No, you go get the quarterback first. This league, that's what you have to do. If you look at the team succeeding, who's succeeding and why? I mean, ask yourself, right? Is somebody with a bad quarterback succeeding? Okay, I know our good friend Jarrett Bailey will say the Steelers are, although, although uh, Pickett had a good game Sunday against the Bengals. But, but I think that overall, when you look at it, it's pretty clear that you have to have transcendent quarterback play. You have to have a guy who can create plays to do it. So, yes, yeah, so no matter where Aiden O'Connell is, and it's not a failure – if after this season, they go draft a quarterback and Aiden O'Connell's your backup. It's, hey, I would, I'd feel really good about Aiden O'Connell being my backup. I mean, that would be an amazing thing. Or if he doesn't want to be a backup and he gets a chance somewhere else, so be it. But to me, we've seen what we've seen. And so you just have to start thinking about what's next. And so the Raiders, I wanted them to do it last year to do everything they could to get up in the draft. And that was a thin quarterback draft. This, this year, they've got to do it, Mo. They've got to figure out, yes, they have holes, but they're going to have to figure out after this Aiden O'Connell experiment, they're going to have to figure out how they move up, if they have to, that is, in the draft to get the guy that they want to lead their team for the next 10 years.
1: Here's the best case scenario for the Raiders at quarterback. Aiden O'Connell plays well for the, last, for the, for the Raiders' last five games. They draft a quarterback early in the draft. And they allow that rookie quarterback to battle with Aiden O'Connell at training camp and be the best man Mm -hmm. win. I said the best thing that can happen is even if you draft the quarterback early and he's not ready for whatever reason to start week one, you don't have to throw him into the fray right away because you have Aiden O'Connell there to start the first, I don't know, four to eight, six to eight games. So you can have that Aiden O'Connell cushion time for your quarterback, to, for your rookie quarterback to develop. Now I know a lot of the guys nowadays are just thrown in week one. C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young. But you got to remember, those guys were, were top five picks. So if the Raiders, let's say they have the 15th pick and it's a quarterback who's maybe ready for week one, but not a lock to start they have they have ain't no of there just to begin the season and hand the baton off at some point so it's it's a good problem to have when you have a capable high level backup borderline starter and then a young high and high ceiling rookie quarterback in your back pocket for what but whatever the case is as you said the Raiders have to solve their quarterback situation because you're not going to win many games with mediocre quarterback play unless the other parts of your roster are that good. And you you mentioned the Steelers, right? Kenny Pickett. The problem with the Steelers is they're they're a borderline players. I understand what their record is. They're seven and four and everything. But even Jared ba- Bailey will tell you and if you could just look at his, you know, his social media, he says it. When the Steelers are gonna play good teams in the AFC, they they have no shot because they're limited quarterback play and yes. and it's just the truth. Unless yes. you have the the eighty five Bears defense or the two thousand Baltimore Ravens defense, you're only going to go but so far with a strong defense. You need to get your quarterback, find your franchise quarterback, and move on from there.
0: No question. And and you look at it this way too. And here's where I think and and the last two topics of conversation. <laughs> of course, we're going to close the show uh, after the next break, talking about the coaching situation. But the other thing here too is. Drafting a quarterback. So I'm going to assume, just reading Tea Leaves, Mo, that Champ Paley is going to get the job. He's going to get the job. Champ Kelly, Champ Kelly. Me. Champ Paley, <laughs> talking about players. Champ Kelly uh, is going to get the job. Okay. Uh, I For some reason, I believe it because we heard Mark Davis said he wanted to hire him originally, but then the whole McDaniel Ziegler thing happened. So I, I'm going to go on that assumption. And I'm going to go also on the assumption that, hey, You still draft a quarterback, right, Um, even with the needs you have. But you don't know for sure who your coach is. You don't know what system you're running, right? So so there's a little bit of dependencies. There's a little bit of kind of yin and yang here when you're talking about the future of the quarterback position. There's already been stories floated, including from our good friend Vinny Bonsignor, about Champ Kelly. Champ Kelly drafted Justin Fields. The Bears are going to get rid of Justin Fields. So you could be in a situation where you have a Justin Fields and a rookie, depending on what they do with the contract coming over from the Bears. It's a whole different situation. Unless Champ, Champ Kelly says, I'm committed to Justin Fields as our long-term viable starting quarterback. That could happen. It, it could happen. I like Justin Fields. I don't know if he's the answer. We'll see Chicago in such a terrible situation. So there's a lot of moving parts, and we don't know. It's hard to even guess, Mo. What the answer will be at quarterback because we don't know permanent positions yet on GM, on head coach, and what the future looks like for the Raiders. Aiden O'Connell, does he play a part of it? Absolutely. I think he'll be in camp. It's cheap. He's there. He's under contract. He'll be there for the Raiders, who he'll be competing with. And I love that you brought that up because I think that's what has to happen. No matter who comes in, it has to be an open competition. That's the best way to do it, I think, with quarterbacks uh, coming in, especially young ones. So so there's a lot to consider here before they make that choice and before they decide which direction they're going to go.
1: Connecting the dots very well there. I like the Justin Fields idea. I know some Red fans don't. I, I, I'm I, still a Justin Fields believer. I don't know how many are out there because the Bears have, have not been good this year. But I think, I think Justin Fields is a starter in this league, and I think if put in a good situation – he can flourish. My one concern about Justin Fields, my biggest concern I should say is, can he stay healthy? Because he's been dinged yes. up because he, he moves he moves out of the pocket a lot. He has the mobility that I like. The problem is he's been hurt. He was hurt last year for a stretch. He was hurt this year for a stretch. So he's got to stay healthy. But I think Justin Fields could be a star in this league. And if Champ Kelly is going to be the, the full-time GM, I could definitely see a Bears-Raiders deal where Justin Fields comes to Las Vegas and they still, I would still draft a quarterback. If, so maybe I, not in the first 100%. round, maybe in this, maybe in the second round. I would still have some competition because then you have Justin Fields, you have Aiden O'Connell, and then you have a rookie quarterback. And as I said, may the best quarterback win. You keep bringing in quarterbacks until you find your guy.
0: Absolutely. And by the way, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to the Raiders uh, for future <laughs> compensation, moving up and and getting getting another second round pick or another first round pick. If they can, a low, low first round pick for future compensation so that you can get your quarterback and something else, defense or offense, offensive line in that first round. Heck yeah. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that once we get to February. Um, mm-hmm. but, but anyway, but that to me is also important. And that's why as much as people like Antonio Pierce, I don't think you can commit to him because you have all these other things that you have to do. Now, you could say, bring in a great OC Who's going to come to the Raiders that's a proven OC, that's a, a, a quarterback uh, whisperer? We don't know. I don't know that there's anybody out there or that Antonio Pierce knows them or that he could get them there, number one. So when you talk about the coaching situation, too, knowing that you're going to probably bring in a quarterback or two and the future of your offense could be different, boy, you, you want to make sure you have the right guy to do that. And so whether that's Antonio Pierce or somebody else, it's going to be a tough decision. When we come back from the break... We're going to talk more about the coaching situation and why, as much as you like him, you just got to wait and see what happens with Antonio Pierce. Is he the guy? Can't say that he is. Can't say that he isn't yet. Is there indications that he is? Sure. Is there indications that he's not? Yes. We'll talk about both when we come back here on Silver and Black Today, and Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the home stretch here on Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition. Mo Moten, Scottle Branson, back with you talking all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Do us a favor, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. If you're with us on YouTube, hit the subscribe and the notifications bell, and we will jump in there and have fun with you in the chat. Thanks for all being there and thanks for your support here of Mo and I on the show. Mo, we were talking about Coach Pierce on the way out uh, of the last to the last break. And whether or not he's the guy, we don't know yet. But to me, I look at it this way. Two and two, he beat two bad teams. He lost to two good teams, okay? So take, take that for what it's worth. Now you get the bye. He's going to get a week to look at how things have gone over four weeks, okay? And the t- entirety of the season, too. Obviously, his coordinators are the same for the most part. And he now can make adjustments and decide, okay, here's the plan of attack for the last five games of the year. What are we going to do differently? Are there changes that we're going to make from a lineup perspective? We talked about, obviously, Marcus Peters on his way out the door. Are there other changes? Are we going to see some of these younger players involved? If I'm Champ Kelly, I'm I'm interjecting myself to say, hey, AP, we got to see what some of these kids got. We got to see what Sylvester has. We got to see more Trey Tucker. We got to get the – which will require more – creativity and aggressiveness on offense. So, in my view, Mo, he's now got it was it was a 9 game audition. Now it's it's reduced to a 5 because I think at 500 the jury's still out. I think we don't know yet. You can root for him to succeed, great. That means you're rooting for the Raiders to succeed. Nothing wrong with that. But this becomes almost like a mini season. You got 5 games left. Couple tough ones on there and then other games that are winnable, okay? I think he's got to prove over these five games that he can win, not motivate. Motivating's great. Everybody loves the fairy tale, Mo. We all like happy endings. Take that the right way. Okay. But don't, <laughs> you can't get caught up in, see, we're still a family show. Kids, kids know about fairy tales. Um, but we, we can't get caught up in the whether you like the guy or not. Now it has to become about results. Do you see players progress? Do you see the offense progress? Again, it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't care. Even if they go two and three, if they fight and scratch and the offense is creative and they're just losing games because they don't have the bodies, okay, fine, great. But I think that's what we have to see. We have to see that he can prove that he can adjust, that he can change things over a bye week and get better at managing game and managing the talent he does have.
1: So I'm going to talk to the people who have done hiring in their lifetime because I've <laughs> had to hire people. Believe it or not, I've had to hire people in my lifetime, right? Do you hire a person without looking at their complete resume? Do you just look at half the resume of the first page? I know a resume is supposed to be one page these days, but do you just look at the cover letter and say, oh, we're going to hire this person? Because right now, Antonio Pierce's resume is incomplete. It, it's You just talked about it. There are five games left in the season. Why are the Raiders, why should the Raiders make a decision on a head coach when you still have a third of the season left? Now, they have a buy-in there, but they have to make some changes, as we talked about, maybe to their offensive and defensive uh, personnel. So there's some coaching that has to be done even on their buy. So you have a third of the season left and some decisions to make. Let's see what those decisions result in. How do the Raiders fare in the last third of the season before we start crowning a guy to be or not to be head coaching material? So, again, I want to see the complete resume before I make a decision on an, on a, a major hiring. And I think that's a fair assessment. The people out there who want to just make him the head coach now, I think a lot of that is because he's homegrown. He's from Compton. He grew up a Raider fan. So you want to see him succeed, which is fine. Sure. But when you're making a big boy decision, as Mark Davis is going to have to make in this offseason, you have to let it play out. You have to Mm -hmm. let the season play out because it's still a a meritocracy. It's still a results-based business. You want wins. At some point, the moral victories run out and it gets stale. You're tired of just competing. You want to win football games because we're not in the business of, oh, we were close. Oh, we were competitive because that doesn't help you keep your job. Winning football games helps you keep your job, Sim- is yes. that simple?
0: No, it, it, I, I agree with you 100%. And, and, and I think it's not, it's not a light thing to talk about how I think Raider Nation looks at Antonio Pierce as one of their own. Although I'd never heard really anybody talk about him until this happened and they found that out, but that's okay, you find out what you find out. But I get that, you wanna pull for somebody, you feel like they're one of you, right? And so the relation there I get that. And there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong. Again, he's he's your head coach. If you're a fan, he's your head coach. You want him to win, not just because you want him to do well, but because you want your team to win. So I get that. Mm-hmm. But to your point, you have to be able to go out and prove it. And I don't I saw a lot of people that I respect say, "Oh, he just needs an offensive coordinator." Really? How do you know that? Has he managed a game well? Has he managed a team through adversity towards wins? and overcome those? Has he made adjustments? Well, if his offensive coordinator was better, guess who makes the final choice and decisions? I mean, yes, he's calling the plays, but you don't think offense—you don't think Antonio Pierce can go over to Bo Hardigree and say, hey, Bo, uh-uh, that stuff you're doing, forget about it. I want to go this direction. He can. He's the guy. He's the head guy. He's the CEO of the football operation on the field, okay? That's part of being a head coach. It's not just standing there and looking agitated. You, you, <laughs> you're in charge of it all. And you can overrule your offensive, defensive coordinator and dictate the way the game plan is put together. That's, that's one of the, the core jobs, too. So to me, there's not enough there to, to, for me to say, yeah, he should be a coach. Or if he had the right offensive coordinator, he'd be fine. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that, right? He did a great job coaching up those linebackers in his job as a position coach. We saw improvement on the defense before this week when they were just outmanned and outgunned. And Max Crosby wasn't 100%. So, so those things, it's too early and you can't, to your point about hiring though, the first thing you don't do besides hiring family <laughs> is, is you don't hire or make any decisions on emotion. Emotional Correct. decisions are never good decisions. Do they sometimes work out as good decisions? Yes, that's yes. by chance, okay? But overall, anybody who manages a business, manages people will tell you, Emotional decisions are bad decisions. So that said, you have to wait till the end of the season. You got five more games. If Antonio Pierce wins one more game or two more games, okay, and he goes four and five over the final nine games, are you going to tell me if that was Josh McDaniels, you wouldn't want him fired? Because to your point about meritocracy and, 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 and results, you have to go with the results, no matter if you like the guy or not. If if the Raiders had the same record that they will have under Antonio Pierce at the end of the season, of course, I'm just making assumptions, as they would under Josh McDaniels, everybody would scream, yes, and Josh McDaniels was a dick. Nobody liked him. I get it. You like this guy. But that doesn't change the fact that the record wouldn't be worthy of somebody earning the head
1: coaching position. The other thing is, and I mentioned this, is – Antonio Pierce is also competing with other candidates. So I know a lot of Raider fans like Ben Johnson of the Detroit Lions. I know they had a stinker on Thanksgiving, but Ben Johnson is still relatively high, re- highly respected off young offensive coordinator. So you're telling me if the Raiders go, I don't know, seven and 10, eight, and nine. And Ben Johnson says, I want to be the head coach of the Raiders. You're going to turn down Ben Johnson for Antonio Pierce who went, who won seven, eight games. I'm just saying that you have to the one part of the reason why you have to let the season play out is because you're going to be comparing Antonio Pierce's resume, though abbreviated to other candidates. And you have to make the best decision on the candidates based on what they've done in the league so far. So I know a lot of fans love Antonio Pierce, but I also know a lot of fans want Ben Johnson. So if they're both up for the job and they both interview you like both of them, which one are you choosing? Because that, that could be a decision the Raiders have to make. Even if Ben Johnson's not available, let's say he wants to coach somewhere else. There are going to be other guys with impressive, possibly impressive resumes. Because a lot of fans have told me that the Raiders job is an attractive job, right? Right. So that means you're going to have high up what, candidates. What,
0: what, what about, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for this because I have my reasons for not because of this season. And I'll explain that soon. What if it's Eric Bieniemy?
1: And a lot of fans like Eric Benamy too. And, th- and that's all I'm saying is that you have to open up. You can't. Mark Davis made a comment after he fired Josh McDaniels. He said he wasn't going to be swayed before the offseason to make a decision because open he mind. made the decision on Josh McDaniels before the Raiders got to the offseason. He was already locked on Josh McDaniels. He said he doesn't want to make that mistake again. And I think what a lot of people are making a mistake with is Oh, you see what happened with Rich Pisacha. He let Rich Passaccia go, and Rich Passaccia responded to him, and you don't want to make that mistake again. We talked about self overcorrecting past mistakes or things that you think were mistakes, and I think that's the trap that a lot of people are falling into. They're comparing it to Rich Passaccia. But as I said, it's different because Antonio Pierce has a tougher hill to climb with a rookie quarterback, a first-time play caller. You really can't compare their runs as interim head coaches is a totally different season, totally different situation. You just have to go on the resume and make the best decisions. As you said, take the emotion out of it. Pretend Antonio Pierce is from Utah, wasn't a Raider fan, grew up, I don't know, grew up uh, a Denver Broncos fan or something. And, and just judge it based on numbers, resume, and results. Forget all the, feel- the good feely he grew up a Raider stuff because that's not going to win you football games at the end of the day.
0: No, and 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 before we get off it, I want I just want to say too that the Rich Passaccia story has just it's done. Stop, stop. <laughs> because here's the deal, and I know a lot of the national media too. I, I hear it this year during games. Well, Raiders, they probably they probably realized after they saw what happened with Josh McDaniels that they made a mistake that Rich Pasaccia they should have just given him the job. Yeah, yeah. Look, he's a really like guy. He's a good 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 man, and he did a great job when he took over the Raiders. There's no question about it. But let me ask you this, Mo, and I think I know the answer. How many teams offered him a head coaching position? Zero. None. Right? He's, he's doing what he does best, special teams in Green Bay. They, they struggled there his first year, but they've turned it around. They had a big win, obviously, against the Lions. So, so stop talking about Rich Bisaccia. He was not a head coach. He was not going to be a head coach. He interviewed for one other job, didn't get it. God bless him and his family, okay? Let me say that. But he wasn't a head coach. Let go. The past does nothing for you. You remember the past. You enjoy the past. You learn from the past. But you can't live in the past. So don't compare Bisaccia to Antonio Pierce. Different situations, different men, different strengths, all that stuff. And so to me, to your point, you got to wait and see who's out there, who's available. Is anybody a guarantee? No. If it's Jim Harbaugh. I don't know. Can he still coach in the NFL? Probably. I don't know. I think he'll end up in yes. Chicago. That's just me because he knows he can get a quarterback and the top of receiver in the draft all within three picks. So if I'm him, I'm going there. But he may. He's got a Raider connection. So to your point, you have to wait and see what that sort of pool of people look like and what names are out there. And, and you're right. Mark Davis, to his credit, is going to give it some time and figure out what's the best choice he's going to make. Hopefully he's getting good advice, too um, to, to make that next higher, Uh, but Mo, before we check out of here for, for this, 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 uh, show and for this week, we're going to take a little bit of time off too with the buy, but let me ask you this. When you look at this team heading into the buy and Antonio Pirro, what are the two biggest decisions in your mind or two biggest things that he needs to focus on during the buy week to come back after it? get after it, and get this team back on the winning track?
1: First things first, how does the offense sustain its produ- productivity past, past the first 20 to 25 minutes of a football game? They have to figure out their second gear. What's their counter punch? I posted this on the X on Sunday night. The Raiders come out firing. They come out throwing their opening punches, and they land. The problem is once the other team adjusts, they have to counter that adjustment, and they have to figure out what the second gear of this offense is when the offensive line is not protecting well when the run game isn't chewing up 3 to 4 yards per carry what do, do they do what's their second plan of attack you know they have to they have to work on that at practice the other thing is we talked about Marcus Peters they have to find out what the personnel of their secondary is going to be because you now you've had two wide receivers in back-to-back weeks go go over 100 yards if it's not Marcus Peters then you people have brought brought up Brandon Faison coming back People, I brought up Jack Jones, who they claimed off waivers from the Patriots will probably get more run. Amik Robertson is playing well. He's going to be on the field. Do you move Nate Hobbs to the perimeter or do you keep him in the slot? Uh, You know, they have some decisions to make there as well with their secondary because if they don't, they're going to see Justin Jefferson later this year. He's on the way back eventually. They're going to see Michael Pittman Jr. in Indianapolis, who's, you know, who's playing pretty well. They're going to see Cortland Sutton in Denver. They're going to see Keenan Allen in Los Angeles. They're going to see the Chargers again on Christmas, which means another dosing of Rasheed Rice. So they have to figure out what their coverage is going to be in the secondary, or else they're going to get burned in those games.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you think about these teams that they're going to face, and are are there some winnable games there? Of course there are. <laughs> But at the same time, if you don't figure out some of those issues, I mean, again, two games over 20 points this year. The Raiders Raiders cannot consistently put the ball in the end zone, and they have to figure out how to do that to have any shot uh, towards the end of the season. I say shot just at winning ball games, because like you said, some of these teams are facing in Denver, as much as people hate the the donkeys, as they call them, um, they are on fire five in a row. And as I said several weeks ago, before Halloween, Russell Wilson was having a good year. It was just it was just being masked by a bad performance by his team. They've now put it together. Uh, and as much as he is a cocky SOB, got to give Sean Payton credit for that. He had a bad start, 70 points to the Dolphins. Doesn't get worse than that. But to his credit, you saw there's, there's an experienced coaching staff bringing that team together, finding a way... To turn around, whether they make the playoffs or not, I don't know. They're in sole possession of second place right now in the AFC West.
1: Scott, I know Raider fans aren't going to want to hear this, but I said this in the offseason bringing in a Super Bowl winning head coach matters. I know a lot of people want to say Sean Payton was overpaid, the Broncos should trade it for him. When you you see what you saw with Doug Peterson and, and Trevor Lawrence, Right. Trevor Lawrence didn't look like a good quarterback under Urban Meyer. that was a disaster. They bring in a Super Bowl winning head coach and Doug Peterson. Now the Jaguars are probably going to be on their way to a to back to back AFC South titles. Russell Wilson. A lot of people told me he was washed. We on this show said we don't expect Russell Wilson to be the Pro Bowl player. He was in Seattle, but we expected him to improve under Sean Payton. A lot of people call this idiots. Sean Payton is overpaid. He's living off that old Super Bowl in New Orleans from 2009. Look at Russell Wilson and Denver Broncos now. And this goes back, this ties, I bring this up because this ties into the Raiders head coaching search. This is why I said you have to look at the resume. If there's a Super Bowl winning head coach that's available and has a pristine resume, recent wins, a high win percentage, you have to look at that. You can't have tunnel vision and say, nope, Antonio Pierce is our guy. We're not going to look at anyone else. Right. The best, may the best candidate win. You saw it work in Jacksonville. You're seeing it work right now in Denver.
0: Absolutely. No question. That's what you got to do. And you got to do that on the field too with the players, with your player acquisition, your drafting, all that stuff. And and this is going to be, I mean, they're all important, obviously, in the NFL, today's modern <laughs> NFL with salary caps and whatnot. But this draft is going to be very, very big for this Raiders because of what we talked about earlier, the quarterback, because of the key positions in the trenches, they need to get talent there, young talent, and they're not going to fix it all with free agents. They need to do it and develop player players from within and that comes through the draft. Mo, uh, it is Tuesday. Tell everybody what you got going this week. I know we're not going to do our No More Thursday show. We are maybe going to do a mailbag show. We'll see. we got some mail uh, back up. We'll see if we can get it together uh, uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, but what else do you got this week with the Raiders in the bye?
1: Yeah, we got to get the voices of Raider Nation back. Yes. On the show with our it. voicemails. Uh, so Wednesday, I'll have a Bleach Report Live. The topic will be TBD. I will put it out on the X probably about an hour before I go live. I also have a Sports Knots piece. piece. I should get the name right of the company I work for. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll talk about what the Raiders can do over the bye. We kind of touched on it today. Some tweaks that they can make to the secondary and to their offense so that they come out of the bye firing and possibly go on a run. Uh, I know Playoffs is not the t- topic of discussion for the Raiders right now after losing back-to-back games against playoff-caliber teams, but I wouldn't say 4 and one is impossible. And, it, and if they go 4-1-1, they put themselves back in the playoff discussion.
0: Right. And, and the 4-1-2, and one too, as you mentioned, they play the Chiefs on Christmas Day. That's a tough one in Kansas City. It's going to be cold, the whole deal. But if you get on a roll before that and you get the confidence and, and your offense is scoring points – if they can score points, I mean, look, they, they were moving the ball against the Chiefs when they were being aggressive and when they had a good play, pl- mm-hmm. uh, plan, play call plan. So if they do that, fine. So you're right. I, I'm not in any way. I think it's, it's, it's not probable that they go 4-1, but it is possible. <laughs> it's possible. Right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's possible. And so I, I don't think fans should get discouraged, but I also think the Raiders need to focus not only on winning games, because it's a professional game. You need to. But also focus on developing talent. See what you have. There's guys on that that were on the inactive list on Sunday that I think you should have active and see what you got. Unless they're so bad already you decided that they're not worth it and you're gonna say goodbye to them. Who knows? They're all they're rookies though. So I doubt it. I doubt it. Go. Quick
1: point, quick point though, Scott. Yeah. If they lose to the Vikings coming out of the bye, you absolutely gotta unleash the rookies. Just let the kids play. Cause at that point, you're five and eight and the playoffs are just basically slim to none chance. If Correct. they lose, I don't want to call this. We don't like to use must win on this show a lot. Right. But in terms of playoff hopes, if they don't beat the Vikings, then you can you can put that away. You can put that to
0: yep. bed. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, especially going three in a row with the buy-in between it. Yeah, that's mm. not not gonna it's not gonna especially with the way it's tightening up. Look at the Broncos. Again, the Broncos they've surged out of nowhere. You talked about Jacksonville. Jacksonville is now the number one seed in the AFC. Who would have thought? Right? Now you got the, the, the Ravens there obviously playing really well too. Uh, especially that defense. Imagine that. So, uh, guy, that Patrick Queen guy is pretty good.
1: Yeah, I saw him last <laughs> night make a play. I'm, a, I'm, i Someone on the show was calling for the Reds to trade for him. I don't know who it was. Yes, but.
0: yes, didn't happen. Dave Ziegler was too busy uh, looking for uh, diamonds in mm-hmm. the rough. I guess. I don't know. Who knows? Or looking for a new uh, job. But anyway, make sure you check out <laughs> Mo's work there on Bleacher Report and also on Sports and check out his live show on Wednesday. It's always a good time in there. So download that Bleacher Report app so you can check it out. All right, we're going to check out ourselves. We're going to enjoy a little more time this week. So like I said, we're gonna, Mo and I will work together. We'll get a mailbag show, even if it's a shorter one, because do, I do have a backlog of mail and voicemails. So I think that's what we'll come back at you with, because nothing to analyze this week. The Raiders are not playing. So we'll just have some fun and good times. And maybe I'll even throw some wild and wacky food questions at Mo and see what he comes <laughs> back with, because everybody loves your food takes. So. We'll see what happens.
1: Love is the new hate, (laughs) I
0: guess. (laughs) I love it. All right. For our producer, Mike Robier, for Momotin, I am Scott Cole Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll get back to you soon with that mailbag show. Enjoy the bye week off. Enjoy your Sunday uh, without the Raiders. I know it's tough, but I know you'll find something fun to do. From all of us here to all of you, have a great week.